I need to get some strategic input so I can outsource that. Then when you've got the plan, you're thinking, okay, well, how, how do we execute that plan? A lot of it can be outsourced to specialist agencies that are always on top of things. And then think about what you can bring in technology-wise to help you automate what's in there. And then you think about, do I actually need an in-house resource at all? Or do I just need somebody who can manage the program because we've set it all up? We've got the strategy, we've got the plan, now somebody needs to drive it. And that doesn't necessarily need to be a marketing specialist. You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 241 of Text Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. The medium to top tier accounting firms often do things differently to a small practice and they have reasons for that. But many marketing hacks the big guys use are just equally available to you. Here's Melissa Donnelly with some marketing hacks to learn from the big guys. My point around the big end of town stuff is that size doesn't always matter. Like everyone goes into business and everyone says, how big are you going to grow? Like my model is I'm never going to employ anybody. So people go, but how do you grow? Like, ah, oh, scale and growth are different. Everyone seems to, or a lot, a lot of people seem to equate growth with getting bigger. I prefer to think about business as your consideration is around scale. So do you really want to get bigger for the sake of getting bigger or do you want to scale your business? So scale would be, rather than saying we want to be 50 staff in the next 12 months, scale is we want to be earning twice the amount of revenue per client that we do now. We want to be doing more valuable work for clients than we do now, so more high-value work. So if you think about it in that way, you're not just growing for the sake of it. A lot of research around, I've been trying to get my hands on one particular report from Harvard Business Review from a couple of years ago, and it talks about this tipping point in particularly professional services. So this tipping point where when you get to around 30 staff, you really need to restructure your business because you're moving into a different space, you're moving into a different operational environment and businesses that don't drop across all. So staff productivity drops, but by the same token, staff churn increases. Client service drops, but client churn increases. So you sort of then go back and say, do I just want to grow for that point or do I actually want to be doing more interesting work for more interesting clients? And that's just about scale. So if you look then at scale, you go, well, where can I learn that? Or where can I borrow systems and processes that other businesses have used to scale, but I don't need to be a big company to do that. So you can look at the big end of town and say, well, that's completely out of my league, but there's actually ways of doing business that they use that small businesses can adopt. So one of them is around data. Everyone thinks, well, I'm small, what data do I have? And we forget how much data we sit on. And a lot of the big end of town have really good processes around their data and they've got data scientists and they're mining their data and they're using their data for their businesses and for their clients. From a data perspective, you think about where can I source data and how can I use even the smallest bits of data to improve my business? So again, 
doing surveys with clients, looking at the insights you can gather from the clients and not just how am I performing as a provider to you, but what's troubling you at night? Where's your organisation going? Where are you going as a person? What are the things that impact your decision to select this accounting firm over that accounting firm or an accounting firm over a financial planner? So there's a whole world of data that you can access and you can think with a big data mindset. So you can think about how do I convert that data to insights and how can I analyse that data to improve my business and my delivery and how can I use that data to scale? That's probably one area. And then I think the other area is this idea around CRM and not just a system, but looking at what's my customer acquisition plan, what's my customer onboarding plan, what's my client retention plan, and can I at any level automate that or be smarter about that or be more time or resource efficient about that? So do we all want to run out and go and grab Salesforce? Probably not. That's only going to be of use to, you know, companies with with large numbers, large numbers to hit and large numbers in their databases. But there are tools that are already available in terms of free CRM systems or CRM systems that are running off the back of other programs that we might all be using. Or we just think about the process for our firm. So you might have five clients or 10 clients. You can still have your own customer relationship management process for those people that you look at and say, am I delivering on the plan that I said I would? And am I doing more valuable work for you, which is the vision I want to have for you? And that's how I'm going to scale my business. Yeah. So I think those two things in terms of adopting a mindset that is traditionally what bigger enterprises do, but using it in the application of it to your own business, whether you're a single man band, a small firm or mid-tier firm, you can punch above your weight. You really can punch above your weight. And I think those are probably two areas where I think that's underutilised by companies. So the two areas where the small or medium-sized accounting practices can learn from the big ones mm. are data. Yeah. And CIM. Yeah, I think. And then talking about CIM, you mentioned Salesforce, and that, mm. of course, is quite costly and hence more for the big end of town. Mm. Although Salesforce, I think, is trying to move more into the small to medium-sized Yeah, I'm businesses. sure they are. But then for other CIMs are there, one is HubSpot has a free version. Yeah, well, HubSpot's got a free CRM. HubSpot is a marketing automation engine, basically. So if you use for automatic remarketing and sending Yeah, so your contact forms on your website, are then they're sort of basically served from HubSpot. So they're developed so that all of that information, again, is yeah coming into a single system. You can have a single um, view of your customer. Very, you know, it's a smart, smart setup, HubSpot not for everybody. And I think one thing I always counsel people to be careful of is there's a lot of consultancies and agencies that circle these planets. They'll be looking always to pick up a nice big fat strategy fee at the start of an engagement and then implementation of an automation system. So I'd always be careful that you're using ones that are authorised by the provider. So, you know, they're a HubSpot shop or, or whatever. And also that you're looking at that investment you're making because it can suddenly add up. I mean, I was talking to someone. Yeah, not just money-wise, also time-wise. Oh, absolutely. And again, do you do you need 
a full, it's like a sales force, you know, do you really need the full suite or do you just need a, a, a basic model? You know, a lot of the platforms that you use to for communication, so MailChimp, Active Campaign, they have good databasing systems in them. They have really good tracking and accountability and reporting systems in them. And a lot of them have, not necessarily in their free offer, but it might be at a freemium or, you know, slight upgrade price, they'll have a free CRM. And you sort of think, hang on, I'm getting a lot of things done with a single platform here rather than taking on 50 Mm. different ones. Are there so, any other CIMs that come to mind? So we have so far we had Salesforce, HubSpot, MailChimp, Active Campaign. Um, Marketo is another marketing automation platform. Mm-hmm. Whether they have, I don't, I'm not as familiar with I Marketo. See. When you think of accountants and professional services in general, which one of those comes to your mind? Which of them do you think would fit best? I think if there's a commitment to content and to getting content out, then something like Active Campaign is, is definitely worth looking at because that allows you to, you put your database into Active Campaign, you can set up a subscriber profile. So if they unsubscribe, you can set up a profile for that. It automates, they've got the free CRM sitting in the back. I think you've really got to go through and compare. There are a million CRM systems yeah. out there. That it, that's always a tricky one because yeah. a lot of people ask about them. I'm like, my God, how long is a piece of string? Yeah. I'm a fan of where they're tied into something else that you already might like. Exactly, like they, be likely they, to use. Exactly. Mm. The big question is: Does the CRM you're looking at integrate with your accounting software? And when I say integrate, I mean properly integrated yeah and that's the thing i'm not an expert on integration yeah and i'm not an expert on practice management systems and that can be an interesting space and i know just anecdotally from listening that a lot of well sorry i shouldn't say a lot of i have heard of instances where the practice management system doesn't allow for easy integration so what we've ended up with is the professional staff using practice management system and then the marketing team have had to have a separate a database. CRM. How can you have a single mm. truth on a client or a prospect if that's the case? So then reporting-wise, there's got to be this manual. So we've got to extract data out of the practice management system to say we had this many inbound leads through the website. We've then got to go to the practice management site to see how many of those have actually converted to clients. That's tricky. And I haven't, and again, it's anecdotal and only limited to a few firms. I haven't heard anybody go, oh my God, that nails it. That's doing everything Mm. for us. So I think we're sort of stuck in an environment where whether you like it or not, you're going to end up with what we call a tech stack. So you're going to end up with uh, a number of different apps and platforms that hopefully talk to each other, but you're going to need to do your job. The talking to each other is the critical point. Yeah, yeah. So it may not be perfect. There may be a degree of manual intervention. And again, that's where look at what the big end of town are doing and look at where companies like Salesforce are going because they're always changing and say, actually, you know what? Salesforce were that way, but now they've got a Salesforce light. Or again, zero buying HubDoc for me as a business owner, awesome. Awesome. The better, the more tightly those two things integrate, the more efficient that is for me. And it's one thing I can just push to the side. I don't want to worry about that. Mm. I want to worry about Goodbye, the work I'm doing me. for my client. Yeah. I think it, it's about looking at, at your tech stack, but never going, this is just going to be it. I'm, I'm going to settle on this and then I'm going to have this thing in for mm. the next 10 years. So done. I've just had a client migrate from MailChimp to Active Campaign. MailChimp was fine, but our database had grown to the point and the number of um, content runs we were doing in campaigns had grown to the point 
MailChimp was starting to become a sliding scale of costs for us and ActiveCampaign was offering some things like the CRM system and automation for this particular client is really key. They've got a very savvy digital coordinator in-house. She can manage that. She's done a fabulous job with it. So she'll migrate over and, and manage that. So again, the tech stack for them has suddenly gotten a little bit narrower, but I think you've just got to be agile and constantly out in the market, which again, I can hear people thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to be constantly in the market for everything. I really don't want to do this around my marketing and things. I think just be slightly curious and just keep an eye on it and look at what other companies are are using. So when you get an invite to something, check up in the header or check who the email's from because it'll soon tell you if it's a survey from SurveyMonkey or if it's a campaign from MailChimp or if it's something from Eventbrite and go, okay, actually that was a really good user experience. I mean, Eventbrite is, they've improved, I think, their UX amazingly over the last couple of years. They offer so much more out of Eventbrite than they used to do. So again, as a platform to run your events, there's you know, some, some automation built in, there's, you know, the ability again to automate follow-up emails, all that sort of thing. That's, that's a really neat little tool to use. So, so look at what others are doing. Yeah. Look at, look, so that's going to happen in your natural environment. You're going to receive invites to things. You're going to receive content. Look at what others are doing. Cause I know it's just one more job. If you're not a marketer, it's like, I'm not an accountant. I'm not looking for the latest legislation around accounting or the latest accounting rules or governing rules for, for, SMSFs. So if someone told me I had to do that, I know I would be cringing. So I, I appreciate that not everyone's going to be out in the market looking at these things all the time. So yeah, look at what the others are doing. Look at what the big end of town are doing and saying, what can I borrow and cherry pick from them at no cost or a freemium price versus whatever they're paying for it, which will be exorbitant. And I think, again, just even though a large tech stack can sound horrific, it can actually be really time efficient. So I was talking to someone the other day and she uses five platforms to run events. And I looked at her and went, are you kidding me? But then when she explained it, I went, oh, actually, that makes sense. So she's got a free CRM where she has a database because it doesn't talk to the practice management software in, in her firm. Then she uses ActiveCampaign for all her communications. So her event invites go through that. She uses Eventbrite. She uses Stripe then if she needs a payment gateway. And then she's using Google Analytics if it's a particular event that's got its own website. She'll be using Google Analytics to monitor the activity. So you sort of go five and then you go, well, I'm going to be using those in other areas. And administratively, that's really time efficient for her. So even though it's five, it's taking her half the time it used to take when they used to run the same thing manually. So that's where it makes sense. The staff will know. Oftentimes the staff will know, even if you're sitting there going, I've got no idea that if, if you can't borrow it from someone else, talk to your people because they're out in the world. They see stuff, they go to events and most of them, if they're younger particularly, are incredibly savvy around this stuff. So ask them. The single point here is don't think you've got to build a marketing department. I would counsel against building a marketing department. If that's something huge firms need to do or even very large mid-tiers may want to get a marketing resource in that's more senior. But if you think about your needs and, again, are clear about your reason for being in business and, and the fundamentals of your brand, 
you'll be well down the track of understanding what your strategy looks like. So you can then go, I need to get some strategic input so I can outsource that. I can get people in for half a day or whatever just to work with me around that piece. A mate of mine says, don't eat the whole enchilada. You don't have to, particularly not with marketing. So do it in bite-sized pieces. So think about that strategy first. Then when you've got the plan, you're thinking, okay, well, how do we execute that plan? A lot of it can be outsourced. So to specialist agencies that are always on top of things, it would be very, very difficult, if not impossible, for a smaller business to fund, say, even social media and know that that one person sitting in-house all day, every day, one is busy enough on social media, but secondly, is on top of what's going on. The small shops, the agencies and contractors that are out there in social media, that's their world. That's where they play all the time. So they know the latest. They know what's going on with algorithms. I don't even pretend to be on top of it. I work with really smart people who are. So think about what you can outsource and that you can outsource cost effectively. And then think about what you can bring in technology-wise to help you automate what's in there. And then you think about, do I actually need an in-house resource at all? Or do I just need somebody who can manage the program because we've set it all up. We've got the strategy, we've got the plan. Now somebody needs to drive it. And that doesn't necessarily need to be a marketing specialist. You can grow the role as, as the firm scales. So, you know, you might start low. I know a lot of companies where somebody started as a part-time or they've started in an admin role. They've had an interest in marketing. They've been running the program. They've upskilled as they've gone and they outsource a lot of the real specialist stuff so again I think it becomes quite a scary thing and everybody assumes I've got to employ marketers and then I've got to have website developers and I've got to have this and I've got to have that start small but start yeah exactly and start with that clear view on what's our objectives here your objective might be one thing Your objective might be we need to better communicate with the wide world via our website. So just redesign your website. Yeah, but instead of going, which I've heard many a time, I actually spoke to a room full of accounting firms on behalf of a fund manager and it was just a brown bag lunch thing and I was talking about communication and marketing and what do you stand for and why should I do business with you was the theme. And somebody came up to me at the end and they said, oh, that was that was really interesting and, and it's really timely. I'm going to think about that because we're redeveloping our website. And I said, that's great to hear and everything. He goes, yep, yep, we've given it to the junior professional staff and there's a committee of them and, and they're going to do the website. And I just stood there and thought, oh, my goodness, because one website by committee. Mm-mm. But secondly, it's how on earth, unless you've got very simple strategy, but unless you've got that strategy enunciated, they're going to have to take time out of their billable day to do the website, which means that's going to sit at the back of the bus. And where's the skill set there? So for the time it will take, and I bet it's never happened, but for the time it would have taken to try and get that site up, to get the content written and the design done, just push it out the door. Websites now, again, if you think about it in terms of potentially a single landing page or a two or three page site, it's not going to be costly to get specialists in to come and give you some advice around it and then let them do it. It's it's a worthwhile investment on every level. And if it works for you, if there's a good business purpose for it, 
and you know what that business purpose is and you've briefed your suppliers in on it and there's really good call to action and an easy way for people to contact you or for you to then follow up with people via that site, that will become a really effective lead generating engine, sales engine, profile building engine for your business. So exactly that point, you know, just start with something, just start with something, start thinking about how you're communicating your wonderful uniqueness. There's a term called onlyness. We talk about in branding, what's your onlyness? So, and how are you communicating that to the people that you want to come and engage you for your services in the way that only you can deliver to them? And that it could be as simple as a website. It could be as simple as committing that you're going to put something up once a week on LinkedIn and build your LinkedIn network and see what that leads to for you. So, and don't be put off thinking it's the dark arts of marketing and I have to be an expert in it. You don't. There's plenty of people out there that know what they're doing. Tap them, but only for what you need, even if it's for an hour of their time. Tap them and then tap out and do what you do. So don't let it be off-putting or frightening or something that seems too expensive and too time-consuming and too onerous to take on. It should be something that's helping build the value in your business and in your client relationships and in your staff. That's what it should be doing. Welcome back. I like Melissa's comment about combining outsourcing with in-house resources. I had to think back to episode 201, where Ed Chen describes the setup for Chen and Naylor. Even though Chen and Naylor is much bigger and has a lot more people involved in their marketing, their setup is still along the lines of what Melissa is saying. We hire a full-time marketing person because it is a specialized area. Luckily, we've got the resources to do that. So Ricky's our head of marketing. She's the manager, if you like. She's the marketing manager that runs all this. It's a full-time role with four people in the Philippines that's just running this. And they do the grinding. You know how I said you need three levels of marketing? You've got the grinding, the managing, and the strategy. So they do all the grinding for us. We do a combination of uh, outsourcing with some agencies and uh, other sort of means, and they help us create a plan and then together with Ricky's input as well. So it's not it's not a, a black and white thing. So they also engage an agency for the big picture for their marketing strategy and branding and then have a marketing manager in Sydney who brings it all together and then staff overseas who do the actual daily grinding. Now I should tell you what is coming next. But I don't know right now. Of course, I have quite a few interviews lined up for you. And of course, I can change from face to face to online via Zoom or Skype. But right now, I don't know yet who will be well enough to talk when and how. So it will all work out. I just don't know the topic of the next episode yet, but it will come. Stay safe. In a few years, all this will be just a distant memory. Thank you for listening. And as always, thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.